0: Welcome to the next episode of our series about Fur Haven, the campaign setting, and also the board game. How about we sink our teeth into additional tips to enhance your game and make it just that much better for not only you, but the kiddos.
1: I'm certainly ready to claw my way through this material before Ian is exhausted at our uh, puns. It's unbearable. Hello and welcome, your host, to Crit Academy, Dyson Dialogue. I'm your host, Justin. I'm your host, Ian.
0: And I'm your host, Alex.
1: Last time on our Fur Haven series of Dyson Dialogue, we discussed classes and species and the different mechanics that make it, you know, fun and unique to play. Today, we're going to be delving into the Fur Haven campaign encounters and kind of the adventures that come with the Furhaven RPG. Now, Furhaven campaign takes place in a town of... Furhaven. Fur All Haven. Yeah, right. Where there are tensions between multiple factions, uh, the furs and the feathers has been escalating, right? Um, and our players, a group of young adventurers known as younglings, very much a la, you know star wars let's hope the villain isn't anakin uh (laughs) uh, they are caught in the middle of a conspiracy orchestrated by master aladar a corrupted paladin from the society of the talon i'm really excited to talk about this Um, There's a lot of good details that this thing goes into. Um, We're going to kind of overview it a little bit and talk about things that really work well, maybe something that we would change or how we would enhance it, as well as provide some details on some of the cool encounters that the book has overall that you can just use as starting jumping off points Mm. or filler when, you know, you can't get the whole group together. Um, So from a high level, do you guys have kind of a general overview of what the, the overall campaign details? Yeah, it could be better, could be worse. Okay, well, he's done. I guess we don't need him the rest of the episode. What about you, Alex? I think just in
0: general, whenever it comes to that section in the back of the book about the campaigns and the encounters, and um, it actually makes it incredibly easy to create an encounter or in a campaign, I personally decided whenever I was prepping, I didn't run it because I had the flu, but whenever I was prepping, um, I personally decided to forego all of that stuff to just see how easy it was to make your own 100% homebrew. Um, mm-hmm. But you definitely do not have to do that for like probably like five years of playing this. There's enough content in this book. To keep you and your little ones busy, and so yep. um that's kind of my overview is like that's what I think as a whole of what's in the book is just like there's a lot of there's a lot of hooks in the descriptions of the different areas, but also there are there are so many hooks that are just put in there anyways I don't it's good it's it's nice it's, thank <laughs> you, thank you. what's her name
1: uh Kim Dory. Thank,
0: thank you, Kim, for making our jobs easier. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um On that, so before we delve into the details of the actual campaign, I do want to talk about some of the encounters in this encounter table that it offers. When we interviewed the creator of for
2: him, she is like neighbors to the Hickmans.
1: Which, for those that don't know, do what? They may have wrote a lot of modules
2: of uh, Dungeons and Dragons over the years, especially in the 80s, and were the creators of Dragonlance.
1: Which is the new setting that comes out as of this recording in a few days. Dragonlance? Yeah. I thought it's been out. Oh, did it already come out? Yeah, Man, I'm so out. behind. You'd think I'd be on top of that, but <laughs> I missed it. Clearly, I missed the window. Anyways, I think that that's really good. So a couple of these I want to touch on that I thought was actually interesting. Um, it's not something I would expect in a children's story is blackmailed for noble. Or poisoning of food. <laughs> a second. Before we get to that one, everyone, this is this is basically the tax. This is what it gives you to work with. Everyone knows the noble, t- noble titles among the furs are honorary at best. But to this noble, it means a great deal. And he is being blackmailed by some, uh, for some of his past misdeeds. And if word gets out, it will ruin his reputation and he would lose his title. Is this information that you can make use of to get his help while he still has some influence? Or will you help him out of his plight? What stands out out about that? There's something very specific I want to talk about. Elitism. Yep, that's one. That's not oh, specifically what I was focusing, but I was gonna a,
0: say that it it gives multiple options instead of just do the quest, do the thing. It uh, it gives multiple options to the kids.
1: They can choose to be part of taking advantage of him before his stuff is gone or help clearing his name. Mm-hmm. That is, that is huge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it basically gives you the outline and says here, you can have the players go in any direction. Yep. Here's the setting. Let them choose. Um, especially if they can uncover the information and blackmail them themselves. <laughs> this is why this stands out to me. Cause it's, it's, Usually, we would expect the players to want to be on the one side, right? Yep. Right. Even though Fur Haven is designed for children, it doesn't make that assumption in multiple of these encounters. Or maybe the guy's to a total dick and the players are like, why would I help you? That's also true. Maybe they've encountered him previously and built that anger and hate and uh, despise him. And now he's seeking for help and now he's dancing in their hands. I re- and I think that that once again, kids are a little mischievous little bastards sometimes. So uh, this Malcolm I can the see that huh? <laughs>
2: see Malcolm in the middle.
1: <laughs> so I can see this going both ways, and I really I think a couple of the different uh, encounters kind of offer that sort of thought process, which tells me that a lot of went into a lot of uh, thought went into. Okay, we don't want to assume they're going to play this way, but here's mm-hmm. two options. Poisoning isn't exactly something you would expect of our young heroes, but the poison itself doesn't have to be something that just is to take somebody out, right? Nope. What are some other uses of of poison where it would still be a a heroic thing to do?
2: To penetrate, slow them down. Pass blame. (laughs) Okay. Alex?
0: I can just I can just see a kid deciding to put tiny bits of poison in the, the person's food every single day so that they have terrible diarrhea to like torture them. I just I can see a kid doing that so easily.
1: Uh yes, guys. Um, I mean this
2: happened in how many 90s kids movies?
1: Yeah, right. This guy is uh if this guy gets to vote, we're done for. Let's put a little if he eats these uh wallowy nuts, he'll be left in the Bathroom for the rest of the day, and we'll miss the vote in our favor.
2: But in the meantime, let's filibuster until
1: he's <laughs> <laughs> One thing that came across my mind is: what if there's a beast or something that's ravaging, but they don't want to put it down? Yeah. They could get get a potion that will put it in a forever sleep or a long sleep,
0: or paralyze it. They already said that they have paralyzing venom, so they could.
1: Yeah, I was trying to think of a less. Evil way, paralyzing and crippling a creature for life doesn't sound exactly. No,
0: it's, it's temporary paralyzing. That's what I thought. Like, like a like a tranquilizer. Yeah. You temporarily, oh. you temporarily trank it, and, and and then drag it somewhere. Drag it somewhere, and then let it wake up and get on its day.
1: Yep. And that's such a change from what we're used to thinking of when we think yep. you know poisoning somebody or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And so that once again fits more of the the, the child target. If I can personally
0: um, read my favorite one, uh, my favorite one is from uh, Scale City, and it is Rival Thieves. And um, you are paid for a recent for a recent job with a valuable jewel, but no jeweler will accept it as payment. Suddenly, members from the rival thieves guild are trying to get their hands on it. Do you make a deal with one of the, one guild and risk the wrath of the other? Do you do you get yourself out? How do you get yourself out of this predicament? Like, d- like, tell me that you know children are chaos grem- gremlins. Like,
1: <laughs> chaos gremlins. <laughs> it's true. Like, they are. There's
0: so many options. Like, do you go? Because, like, if I was a kid and I this happened to me, I know exactly what my brain would go. We need to go back to that other thieves guild and beat the shit out of them. Like, that's what <laughs> that's what I would do as a kid. I'd be like, hey, that's not fair. Pay me in something that actually I can do. <laughs> And then, of course, it's like, <laughs> why will nobody take the gem? Is it a fake gem? Is it a marked gem? Is it a stolen gem? Like, I, I just, they really leave it all up for interpretation in a way that is so tantalizing.
2: Or is a hot item that was stolen from a, a, a noble. I'm like, nope. Not yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's marked. And so they're like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to have my head on a pike. No, absolutely not. I'm not taking that.
2: Or maybe that's stolen from another crime family or powerful mm. wizard.
0: So there's a lot of these. There's a lot of these little little uh, tie-ins, pull-ins, little um, adventure starters. I would say like it's almost like a what's those fire starting kits called? Where it has like the tinder and the tinder box. You know what I'm talking about? It feels yep. like one of those where it's like all the things you need to start a fire, but not the fire itself. The kids do the fire, which is the fun part.
2: No, get that gets leaned to the fire. <laughs> <laughs> Burn it down. Yes, I
1: mean. um, so there's a lot of those. Uh, there's actually multiple little adventures that are in the in the end of the book. Um, we're going to specifically kind of talk about the overall uh, view of the campaign itself, um, which I think is really done really well, specifically with the idea of kids in mind. Um, so the name of the adventure or the, the campaign is called The Conspiracy in the Night. Now, The central conflict here is that it revolves around escalating tensions between the furs and feathers, as mentioned. Um, But the younglings kind of find themselves in the middle of it. And uh, the plot, the campaign kind of unfolds around a disappearance of prominent fur leaders of the characters. Mm -hmm. It turns out being the characters' parents, right? Right uh that you can you tie into the the characters this is your motivation right from the get go my parents disappeared well now I'm interested as this kind of uh story un unfolds that um the younglings are tasked with investigating that disappearance which leads them to kind of uncover a a plot um that's being run by a corrupted feather right uh and I' mm. picture some kids going my parents disappeared
2: sweet i can do anything i want
1: (laughs) and honestly you know it's true that's probably exactly what a child would think (laughs) until they can't eat nothing because they run out of food and don't know how to go buy stuff that would be the whole thing like like oh you don't want to do that well winter has come and you have no food because you didn't know what to do and now you're going to starve (laughs) no i wouldn't do that to kids anyways Uh, so, um, that already isn't uh, uh, an overall interesting plot. I think that it ties really well to the motivations of the characters, right? Because yep. that's something that part of 5e or any RPG is character motivations. Well, with children, you, you can't let them come up with their own motivations. It will be, it'll be probably a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's my personal experience uh, with the uh, s- school kids um but it makes it easy every kid can understand wanting to go rescue their family yep mm-hmm. so that that sets the tone pretty quickly i think oh yeah because a lot of kids the furious i've only seen the first one i think it's all I've, about family
0: i've never seen any of them
1: <laughs> yeah I, I don't even remember the plot of the first one it was so long i'm ago. gonna say Best
2: of is the first one
1: the I plot just, is racing right uh, to be fair i only saw Best of is the
2: first one that's where the memes
1: yeah, there's memes everywhere about mm. it. Exactly. All you need even in even and we would just watch the uh, Shazam movie, the second one, he's like one thing I've learned about all FastX or uh, fast uh, what is it, Fast and Furious, Furious Blakes, it's all about family. And he hits and like nobody comes and helps. He's like, family. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, and the other part that's holding us too was the actress he was saying that
2: to was in the Fast and the Furious movies.
1: Were they really? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's I had no so idea. Funny. That's funny. <laughs> um overall, that campaign setting already has a good start. As the player characters kind of delve deeper um, into the plot, they face a series of challenges and choices, and I think that that is critical. Um, giving players choices, regardless of their age, is what keeps them engaged. Oh yeah. Um, whether they need, um, whether that is just a which way to go or who should we help, how should we help them coming back to the encounter discussion we had earlier about whether to take advantage of somebody in trouble or help them uh, even if they are a douche. Um, (laughs) I think that all those choices are, there's a lot of pivotal choices that happen in the story, um, which once again, focuses on that sort of aspect of the game, which is more, you know, lore and exploration versus just outright combat. Um, What are your guys' thoughts on kind of that focus?
0: I personally think it's a lot of fun. I personally think that it's um, very much geared towards kids because I know a lot of adults who wouldn't rescue their parents. But I know most kids <laughs> would rescue their parents. Um, and I I think, I think the biggest thing for me is that um, they really tried to be as universal as they possibly could. And no. also with this whole corrupt uh, feather and all this kind of stuff, even if the kids are like... Um, like 16 or like 15, like around that age, I still feel Mm -hmm. like they would enjoy it.
1: Mm -hmm. I would agree. Um, And, you know, them uh, and and, and once again, it's not just the social aspect. It's the exploration. Right. You know, so a lot of the choices they have to do is uh, navigating around the different towns. Right. Mm. And uh, the different Villages and and cities and towns and stuff each with different deadly traps and puzzles and enemies where their wits and skills need to be used quite extensively to overcome the obstacles just stabbing it and shooting it with an arrow quill is not going to always be the number one solution (laughs) that will end in any positive way. Uh, you know, the play, play, player characters will need to explore a variety of different areas, such as swamps and sewer areas and, and, and gather you know, information um, to delve into this. And we can learn a lot from the social, that's kind of focus of Fur Haven, no matter what RPG you're running, because it comes down to the choices the players make um, throughout the campaign and each has a significant impact on the outcome. They may choose to align with either the furs or the feathers or try to take a neutral stance, which isn't something that typically comes up, right? Well, not, I mean, he says no. <laughs> I mean, usually you're the good. your assumption is you're the good guys or you're the villains. It's not like, oh, we're going to go and talk to these people and learn something. Oh, maybe we should help these people. Well, maybe I don't want to, maybe, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that comes back to our discussions in the previous episodes about how important it is that the the your fur choice has an impact, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Shoot,
1: I don't think it's enough RPGs in general or quest lines that
2: either they usually encourage like one solution or the other. They don't necessarily encourage a middle
1: ground or a compromise in many cases. And some and some of that is present in Fur Haven, right? right. Which is interesting.
0: I think the reason why that kind of stuff is present in Fur Haven is because those are the kind of skills that you are taught whenever you're at a young age. I mean, you know, so many times at a young age, kids can't share. Kids can't compromise. It's black and white. And so I actually really enjoy the fact that they're leaning so hard in to life. Uh, lessons that kids need uh-huh. to learn and it makes me think a lot about the covid kids i have uh two friends that are teachers mm-hmm. and they're talking about how far behind the, the kids are there they do uh one does third grade one does fifth grade and they both are talking about how far behind the kids are socially and like understanding social stuff because uh they were remote for so many years you know they were remote for the fundamental building years of their of their like childhood and so to me this would be a way to like help uh prop up covid kids
1: mm-hmm. that's an interesting uh, i like that that's a really good point. And that's, once again, in the, uh, the first episode of Fur Haven, we talked about how, you know, the social, the spike in RPGs and board game success has really mm-hmm. been helping that social uh, aspect that um, we were getting away from with all the video game playing. Not that I'm against video games. I love it. I wish I could play more myself. Um,
2: but that's amazing when you're a kid you have no money for games when you're adult you don't have the time for games amen brother <laughs> my dad would always
0: tell me you either have money or time you don't have both
2: no because <sighs> i remember as a kid i would dump how many hours in the final fantasy 10
1: or <laughs> starcraft what a great final fantasy number 10 your first one actually what your very first one was stan yeah oh that's a good one to get into sorry we're derailing yep again I can always see Alicia looking at me as if, like, come on, dude, shut up now. You know you're supposed to be focusing. <laughs> and her, focus? her her movement of her head and smile acknowledges my accuracy of my statement. Uh, anyways, so yeah, Final Fantasy X is awesome. If you haven't anyway. played it, you should. <laughs> so, um, and and that there's there's a lot of benefit that comes to RPGs. There's a lot of very smart psychologists and, and teachers that have already run done studies and proven that, right? Um, and this in Fur Haven is one of the ones that really pushes those core benefits. Um, and so as you're making your way through this campaign, uh, and making these important decisions, you're doing it as a group, right? Which forces a unique, uh, experience that younger children aren't used to, which is having a voice. Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. do we do? Here's what I want to do. And it opens up that discussion forum and they have to learn to get through those discussions without just screaming and yelling and crying right in theory oh uh, nothing the about Anne Gregerson's supplement for kids that she made that one time yeah she did a really good one if you haven't checked it out by ann gregerson it's uh do you remember the name of it no that's why i, just I don't the remember name. the name Alicia, if you could find that for us please let me know uh we really enjoyed. we covered it on the show at one point didn't we that's why i know it. okay mm. uh anyway so uh beyond just like the social interactions uh the campaign uh, challenges range from combat encounters against dangerous animals like wild boars. Ah, little heroes. Little heroes. Yes, that was a really good one. Um, she had an awesome magic item that we used on the show that was like a magical blankie. <laughs> uh, it gave you like protection against like fear and stuff like that by covering yourself up, which I thought was great, uh, if amazing. I remember correctly. It is awesome. Uh, anyways so uh, it ranges in, you know, from combat encounters with like boars or other wild beasts to, you know, acolytes to uh you know stealth missions and puzzle solving um and they must use their resources wisely and outsmart their enemies and you know find out the truth of you know what's really going on why the parent the the leaders disappeared uh which is cool but what i really like is the climax um the overall goal is the master Aladar is trying to poison the grain of the community mm-hmm. right and the player's success their choices their actions determine whether fur-, fur haven fall and its inhabitants fall to a poisoning of the supply that is such an interesting thing because in even in fifth edition when we did the laws of the land episode mm-hmm. it talked uh, significantly about just how punishing of a crime poisoning a water or food system was. Yep. Because you can't undo it. Nope. It can't easily be fixed. Food may be a little easier than, than water supply. Depends on how much you have stored up, but yeah. yeah. But here he's trying to poison the grain, which will do which is a big problem. Why? Well, it's already harvested. Okay, so, that's one.
2: Yeah. <laughs> which means that it could be a fall, which means winter's coming. So what else
1: would you have for food?
2: Right? In theory, at least, depending on when the the is set.
1: Yep. Yep. What about you, Alex?
0: Well, my first thought is that um, the little furs, what are they called?
1: The weefers.
0: The weefers? The weefers are probably all vegetarian or omnivores, and that's their food.
1: Yeah.
2: I- I'm not going to lie, I have a picture at one point where some, some like a predator based character goes to a bar. Don't you guys have any meat? No. What why not? we
1: we only have herbivore customers. Why would we stock meat? <laughs> <laughs> then he comes back with something on a stick roasted and it's really big. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. What are you eating Don't you worry about it? <laughs> um the thing that made this interesting to me is that once it's poisoned, not only is Ian right about its food being the food source, but it's indiscriminate. Mm-hmm. So whatever the effects of the poison are gonna be, it hits everyone. It's gonna hit everyone indiscriminately. Mm. Now, if you're a community driven person and you're sharing with other communities, does it expand beyond Fur Haven? Right. And how far does it go? When does it stop? Uh, is the grain are they eating the grain raw or is it used to make different things? So now let's say it's used to make bread. Well, if it's not just made to use bread, but also made used to make flour, you can't contain that. It's going to take on so many different forms. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that is an interesting, that is an interesting uh, direction to take because Mm -hmm. it's not, even if they successfully defeat master Aladar, if it doesn't actually lead to them stopping the process, they can fail and still beat the big bad hmm you know what i mean Ooh, well the the backpack gets
2: away but that's because he focused more on the gripper being poisoned in the first place so
1: so they they focus on stopping the poison at the risk of knowing they're going to let Aladar go
2: because that could teach kids like the why it's important to make choices
1: in the way the consequences long term and i think that's it and honestly here's 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 the kicker if they choose the violent approach of just physically beating him that's going to have worse consequences Right? Which goes back to that classic violence doesn't solve, right? Yeah. It's not the solution, right? Yeah. If they, instead of fighting him and wasting that time, bind him up, tie him up somewhere, and then go finish the job, that gives them extra time. But once again, it's a compilation of all their choices, right? Yes. So even if they do think about it, is it already too late? Right? Mm-hmm. The choices we made have already messed us up by the time we realize that it, it's too late. There's just, there's so many different ways it can go. Um, I mean, the story itself has its own output or, or its own outcomes and kind of ways it expects things to unfold. But as a game master, you can take those into consideration if you're good at it. You don't have to be good at it and just change it based on the decisions they make to fit a lesson learned, right? Mm-hmm. And. For me, that's just fascinating. What are you giggling about? Oh, I just love the concept of having a,
2: of at the end having a one shot with the players, but the players don't take it so seriously and goof off hardcore because it's a one shot. we did that in the main campaign, have consequences <laughs> from the one
1: shot. Oh, that is that is love it. I love it. I, love
0: I it. have actually <laughs> had that exact thing happen to me, and let me tell you, it's <laughs> really fun.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because if you're in a throwaway campaign adventure throw throwaway adventure in the same world and you do this thing and it turns out that that person you slayed is the one person that has the stashed away the 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 potion to cure you know a disease that's going around and your other adventures are dealing with the results of that failed disease that's or, that is just i love it i and love it i love it
2: but this might affect your players in future one shots about how seriously they take things yeah <laughs>
1: that'll make them change their mind all right. Um. You you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna blow stuff up even more. <laughs> <laughs> um. So with it, basically, with this campaign's kind of con- uh, central conflict and in- uh, conflict, it's an intriguing plot hooks and adventures and challenging choices. The Fur Haven campaign offers quite a thrilling and immersive experience where the decisions and actions shape really the course of the story. Yep. And there is no bigger lesson to be taught to children and adults, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we see it every day. We see the, the, the failures of our society as a whole. Um, those and are the, the things that we need to be cognizant of all the time. Why is it important to learn the history people? <laughs> so we don't relive it, but you know, let's burn all that knowledge anyway. So. Yeah, what you learn
2: from history, humans always <laughs> sucked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we kind of touched a little bit i had more detail i wanted to de- delve into the actual motivations of um alidar but i think that it's better to leave that uh on un- um kind of left unsaid if you are interested in doing it and reading it you can read it at the blog uh where it'll have all those details um instead what i think i'd like to do is delve into a little bit about some keys key tips and tricks um that we can deliver to the game masters because the assumption here is that if they're gonna play this they're not all experienced like we are mm-hmm. right they're new it's going to be a new experience so i figure we can share our wealth of knowledge um and talk to some of those um well, tools that can help them just- uh, I wanna say, did that. you
0: did you guys see the random adventure starter? Because I think this is a perfect place to mention it. Did y'all see that page?
1: Why not I did. Why don't you delve into it for me?
2: This, this is
0: really cool. So essentially what it is is uh you know like mad libs where you fill in the blank mm-hmm. with like words. Yep. It's a <laughs> mad lib where it goes, it was a blank and blank night at the nearby blank. trouble was brewing a group of blank was blanking and then you get to fill it in and they actually and they have like multiple of these they have one two three Mm -hmm. four five they have five ad libs for you to fill in with you know just a myriad of stuff it looks like it's all d10s Um, but
1: and it has things you can fill in with it you can come up with your own or randomly roll it and um that's really awesome (laughs) <laughs> it's especially just, for is, younger kids right yeah
0: so if you're like a 16 15 like 14 year old even and you're sitting here like you want to dm th- this is a fantastic place to get started
1: so i want to i want to actually read a randomly generated one And by random i mean i'm just gonna pick a random number and see if it fits so each each blank has a oh at has a d20 that's not gonna help to right, do- pick a number seven okay so So each, each blank has a number and then there's a table for that number. So late one boisterous night, your, when I point to you, pick another number one through 10, right? Uh, late one boisterous night. Your group is approached by a three shady rogue. They need your help. My 10 pet, (laughs) my pet is lost. In the three, Meyer. One. Can you help me? You'll need to be a aware of the. Would you say one? Yep. You're still pointing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> My bad. Uh, beware of the haunted. The haunted. Uh, just the haunted. But if you succeed, I will pay you. Eight. Wow, there's so many tables. <laughs> I will pay <laughs> okay, I will pay you uh, I will uh, pay you a newly forged weapon. So you can change those to be very specific. Maybe <laughs> you call it I will pay you with this ancestral weapon. Right?
2: Mm-hmm. Wait, you're a rogue. Where'd that come from? Ask <laughs> Don't ask questions.
1: Don't ask questions. <laughs> But I thought you're, you're right. This was a good point for this. So um, the fact that they got that and then all the little options um, means you can, I mean, kids are very short-memoried. So <laughs> by the time you do it again, just go through the list one through five when you need an adventure, right? And just redo those, right? Um, I think that's pretty uh, a pretty cool tool that they uh, implemented. Um, I actually think a, a concept like this could be an entirely its own product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which same. Is- Hundreds of these and i think people would really like it because who doesn't like rolling on random tables well, but the we fact all that i
0: played ad libs as a kid
1: yep not all of us what i didn't even know what that was until you just explained it to me oh they're it in the car i'm sorry along road trips <laughs> no i did anything as possible to not talk to everyone <laughs> i like to read my books that's what i did in a car If I talk to people, then I got to interact. I'm much more social now than I was as a kid. Mm. Ah. So, but I think, I mean, there's many pages of this. And uh, they even have uh, general adventure ideas. Uh, One called Barrow and the Gopher Prince. Barrow and the, Barrow, not Burrow. Barrow and the Gopher Prince. A peaceful community is nestled in a fertile valley near the entrance to a large cave leading into forever dark. The village is led by a family of gophers who, for generations, have led the affairs of the village and helped it prosper. But strange things have started to happen near a certain barrow, located deep within the cave. It is the barrow of a gopher prince from generations past. It has long been a popular destination for for people to go to ask for blessings and to find peace. But now, folks shun it. There is a dark, oppressive atmosphere around the barrow, and those who linger tell a creepy sense of danger. What menace lurks in the tunnels and passages under the mound where the old prince is buried? Is it a ghost wronged by some deed of the prince's family? Is it a centipede who has made its nest there and is preying on lone villagers who wander near.
0: I mean, these are actually good.
1: I know. You guys say that was such a surprise, as if they're not professional, well, awesome writers and GMs. Typically, writing.
0: whenever you get stuff in the back of the book, or whenever you get these, it feels like an extra thrown in. This doesn't yes, feel like an extra thrown in. This feels like a like they. Of the yeah, this is this is good.
1: I like it. Mm-hmm. Um and I like that it gives the scene but not all the details, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you as the GM have some versatility and some options there, right? Even if it's just using the ad lib uh adventure generator or one of the other encounter uh tables. Mm-hmm. So do you have any thoughts?
2: There's something a lot to go off of that they could help tailor make for the campaign that you want. Something I touched on in earlier episodes, but yeah, it just
1: brings true still. Yeah. Um, And so kind of going off of that, we're going to offer a few pieces of advice that should help you kind of move uh, through and develop your skills as a storyteller. Um, First, I'm going to highly recommend you go back and listen to uh, episodes of the Crit Academy on your favorite podcasting platform. We get into very good details on all of this um, across 300 episodes and can make, even if you listen like to the first, you know, uh, 50 or the most recent, you know, 300, you'll be caught up and, uh, become an expert in no time. In the meantime, we've got a kind of a narrowed, uh, list of ideas and feel free to toss in your own. You guys, these are just ideas that I thought of. Um, I'll we'll start we'll each go around the table and provide ones we think that make for excellent storytelling First one for me is pacing and suspense. Mm -hmm. This is very important specifically with children If your pacing is too slow, they get bored if it's too fast You run out of ideas (laughs) Because you get through it all too quickly and you end up having to wing it but finding a good pace And making sure there's suspense is is huge, right? Um, for me, uh you want to build that excitement into the next the next time, right? You want them to want to come back every single time. Um, and so you can employ cliffhangers and plot twists that kind of maintain suspense. Reveal, you know, in this adventure, you could reveal Aladar's true intentions gradually, keeping the players guessing and, and kind of intrigued to what he's trying to do. Or you could just come out and let it make it obvious. That's not going to be as impactful as if it's a slow, drawn-out process. And there's little clues that kind of lead to it as um, you use NPCs to drop hints um, and creating a a sense of urgency and impending danger of what's going on. Um, All of these little tips are based on pacing and suspense. If you say, hey, you see a dark, shadowy figure with a white stripe from head to toe, Uh, whispering and calling you over into the shadows. I hear you're looking into Aladar. Come with me if you want to live. And then ending a session there is going to have a different impact than, alright guys, you guys make it back to the tavern, uh, into the city, walk in the tavern, that's where we're going to end for the night. Mm -hmm. Do those seem the same? Nope. Did one seem more engaging than the other? Yes. That's what you want to do. You want to build that suspense. You can do it at the end of combat. You can do it at the end of a a narrative story. You can do it before combat. Like, if you know you're not going to have the opportunity to do a combat because it takes a little bit, maybe as you, you build up that moment of describing the constant skittering and squeaking of thousands and thousands of something... Skittering in the distance, and as they approach down the mire through the little valley, it gets louder and louder, and it echoes off the off the, the the valley walls until the sound of the forest is nothing but absorbed by this skittering and squeaking. As you turn the corner in the valley and see millions upon millions—a mere wall of flying insects—heading towards you. <sighs> And stopping right there. Once again, that's going to build the excitement, but you don't give them a chance to let that te- release that tension. No. So it stays within them, right? Um, do you guys have anything you want to add to that about that particular pacing and suspense?
0: I think the only thing that I really want to add is that the only reason why crescendos feel so loud and so beautiful is because they're coupled with pianissimo moments. And so make sure that you're, there's an ebb and a flow. It can't mm-hmm. just always be suspenseful. Yes, but there's yep. a good. But if there's a good back and forth, a good ebb and flow for them to compare it to, um, then those suspenseful moments, whenever you cliffhanger them, are going to be even worse. And they're going to fight you. I have DM'd yep. for kids before, and they fight you whenever the session's over. They are like, "No, the session's not over." And I'm like, "Yes, I'm. I'm done being paid. So yes, the session's over." <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh that's what it takes to run for kids these days mm-hmm. you're, you're very right uh you nailed it and that's something that uh it, you, i kind of reiterate what she just said you don't want every session to end on a cliffhanger on a plot twist right um but sometimes those are critical to keeping them engaged yeah. so all right uh Ian, is there a specific piece of word of wisdom you would like to Provide as a for a game masters that might be running this for the first time, or just be newer. Well, the general advice I tend to give is something I actually gave at one of the counts you have been to:
2: respect your players' time. I'm mm. not good at that. I'm not good at that at all.
1: I need to work on that.
2: Like one example is, you've heard, definitely heard horror stories here and there of like uh, players. The DM wants to introduce a new player with their new character, but wants to wait till a, quote, natural moment, so that player might be sitting there for two, three hours before they can finally do something, and no one's going to enjoy that. That's not fun. They chose to be there. Or to spend some times, too, where some players might have been excluded from some events in-game because of the choices that they, they made. But sometimes the choices that you put in front of them might seem arbitrary in comparison or they didn't choose the answer you want. But at the same time, like, why would I have even thought about choosing the answer that you wanted in particular?
1: Right. Um, it's funny you say that because that's something that I struggle with. And I don't know if you've noticed in my games, but I always actively try to turn and ask a player a question directly mm-hmm. when I feel like I haven't heard input from them because either I'm not paying as much attention to them or maybe they're just not as engaged. I'm not even, no fault to you, but I know that I got to kind of pull you out of your circle sometimes um, compared to what I have to with Alex or right. other people. That's not that you're a, 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 that's not an issue with you, but it's me making sure I'm keeping you engaged. Right. And that's easy to forget when you have one person who's more boisterous than others. Right. And I'm not saying
2: I don't enjoy role-playing. I do, but it's not necessarily my strength it's Something I have to try very hard to do in the first place. So, yeah. and I, Especially on, on days where I do do a lot of role-playing, I also feel exhausted mentally afterwards, too. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, so did that last for Haven game really heavy Because it was just the two of us. There was really a lot of back and forth more so than... Not, not inherently. Okay, well, that's good. Um, and I don't know how Alex feels about this, but I know that that is something that if I'm not constantly cognizant of, mm-hmm. um, I can forget somebody's there. Um, no. and so I always, because of that, um, that's one of the reasons why I love asking for initiative at the beginning of the game, because I basically will just, uh, put my pens, a uh, dot next to somebody every time they do like a role play statement. And when somebody has too many and others have no, I'll turn to them and ask instead of right. letting that person, that's kind of how I mitigate my own weakness, mm. um, which I don't always do, unfortunately. So, uh, what do you think, Alex? I think this is a really great tip. Uh, Yeah. You
0: know. I think respecting players time is a really great tip Um, as Justin and I know so well uh, priorities sometimes uh, change. And so for (laughs) people to prioritize the game that you are working so hard on and love so much, um, it means a lot that they prioritize that stuff because that's not, people don't. So my big, my big thing would be if people are making it a priority, make them a priority um, because you're lucky that they're making you a priority. <laughs> yeah.
1: They chose to be <laughs> there. True. That is very true. Of course, some people choose to be there because there is no other option and they're kind of stuck with garbage. <laughs> that sucks. I'm sorry if you're in that situation. Uh, no email D&D us. Tell us than, about it.
0: No D&D is better than bad D&D. And I stand despite by what that. I would yeah,
1: agree. Yeah,
2: despite what some people seem to believe. Because yeah, I've had that. bad D&D. It's like, no. Because, like, good view, if you're actively dreading a session,
1: you should probably not go. Yep. Um, So back to giving advice to our game masters that are new. Um, One of the things that's easy to get stuck on is just constantly doing combat after combat after combat. Um, That's not everyone's cup of tea. There's lore pillar, there's exploration, and there's combat. And while combat does lean a little heavier, um, focusing on the lore and exploration, which Haven does really, really well, is a really good uh, way to involve everyone at once um this is why i think knowledge checks are underused mm. um and more people should use them because the players don't need to know the knowledge but the characters do right yeah. so if i have somebody that's trained in arcana and uh, a, a burning little imp creature appears the first thing i want to do is say give me a knowledge check unless i have reason to believe that everyone in that group would already know exactly what it is then it's just given information and some things are known, right? (laughs) I think the answer or the thing that, uh, um, Ian has pointed out before is everyone's heard of a troll in fantasy, right? Trolls are things, but if you treat them a lot, like, um, people that don't leave a lot, it's only stories. So maybe that description is inaccurate, right? Maybe they don't, maybe they know they're weak against fire, but maybe they can't tell the difference between an ogre and a troll. Yeah, you know what I mean. Or I've seen
2: DMs be frustrated b- because their players attack the troll with fire because, well, that's what they're weak to. Only for some people to play, well, it's your fault. You told them it's a troll. Yes, you didn't discover the hulking humanoid rising out of the this month.
1: And and Ian Ian nails it right. When it comes to exploration and discovery, right. not calling something by its name is one of the best things you yeah. can do. It's like, yes. but the moment you call it a troll,
2: what do you, do you think the players are
1: going to do? <laughs> because if I call it, would you say a big hulking humanoid yep. with fangs? That is such a broad description. Then you say, okay, everyone that's trained in nature, give me a nature check. Oh, uh, Ian, you know, uh, Brutus knows uh, this is an, uh, a, 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 a troll, a swamp troll. He actually had stumbled across one of these in the past and, and watched it be fought back with, you know, torches. And so then that knowledge becomes part of that character's story. Yep. And to me, that is one of the best aspects of exploration and discovery. And to top it off, you don't have to do it all yourself. <laughs> if you don't have a shop designed or played out, ask one of the players. You guys walk into a rickety old shop, um, a little clanging cowbell as you open the door. Ian, what's it look like on the inside? Dusty. Oh, yeah, Alex, who's standing behind the counter?
0: Lizard folk, a lizard folk.
1: So you walk into this dusty shop with the cowbell door. A lizard folk stands behind licking licking off his uh, fingers, quickly finishing off a plate as he sticks it underneath. Um, you guys walk up. You can see weapons on the walls. What are you here for? And so you can pull some of that weight off yourself by asking the players. Now make sure you trust them and they're not going to say, it's Barney the dinosaur. Which with kids, okay. It's a purple lizard folk now. <laughs> but um, use it. Use the creativeness of your team. Um that would be my big uh big advice. Any other advice before we uh close out? Any yeah. topic?
0: I just wanted to say really fast that I think my biggest piece of advice that I would give for Fur Haven in particular is to realize that this might be the whether you are playing with adults or playing with children, I kind of get the impression that the people who would want to play adorable furry animals might not have the best confidence. Um, and so give them the opportunity to have the floor. Don't cut people off. Don't, don't allow one person to have the spotlight. Like you were saying, you know, go back to that other person who doesn't, you know, the audience member and let them have a moment as well. But if they say something, like they say I stab it through the eye, roll with it if they say they're going to swipe coins that are, on the, that are on the counter they're suddenly coins on the counter I, I would definitely say that this is one of those confidence building games where you need to make sure that you are working with your players and not like at or for or against your players
1: right I think that's a really good point point. Mm-hmm. and then when in doubt you can find follow the game masters golden rule do you guys know what that is?
0: Yes, and. You're in
1: charge? You're in charge and yes, and are both wrong. Oh. Those are like silver and bronze rules, just so you know. The golden rules, right, is when in doubt, if it's a favorable situation and you don't know the rule, grant an advantage roll, And if it's an unfavorable, roll disadvantage and worry about what happens. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people will spend a lot of time trying to figure out exactly how something should happen just to find out it's not going to happen anyway because the rule is poopy. And you can make that easier by passing disadvantage and advantage when you're unsure of a ruling because they're nothing worse than stopping a game uh, to spend 10 minutes looking up a rule. Yes. Just, just go with it. That's the golden rule according to fourth edition, which is just combat advantage or not combat advantage when you're unsure, but whatever. So um, in the end, just remember that Haven campaign and ad- adventure is a collaborative experience. Yep so be flexible and responsive to the player choices regardless of their age encourage their creativity and immersion mm-hmm. and adapt and customize the adventure to create a unique and memorable journey for your players mm. if fur haven sounds like a setting you are looking for you can visit their late pledge store at uh, or kickstarter at rebrand.ly slash and now onto our system agnostics tips and tricks our monster today is the Black Dragon Whelpling. I personally have always had a problem with how long it takes to introduce dragons into games like Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, tell me about. That. Um, in fact, I guess some people never actually fight them. Like yep. it's
2: like they're in the name of the game, but they don't pop as much as you would think they would.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I feel like, and that is weird. Like, and not every. Game involves dungeons either. Now that I think about it, right? Why
2: are dungeons called dungeons? Because technically, dungeons are underground prisons.
1: Yeah,
0: I found out that dungeon is actually a French word, and the French word for dungeon is Donjon, which is like the, the name, website. like the website. It's yeah, it's things that you learn when you speak French. Anyways. <laughs>
1: What is a black dragon whelpling? Well, first of all, you need to know that they are basically just freshly hatched dragons, right? Mm, yeah. Mm. They're not particularly evil. In fact, uh, for, our, for our fifth edition version that I made for our patrons, it's actually chaotic neutral. Cause a little bit of trouble, but not really out to maim or destroy anything, right? Uh, these, and if you haven't seen the artwork for it, this monster is adorable. Right? Because so we had to fit cute. the Fur Haven theme. It's so, oh, cute. <laughs> it's so cute. And cute. Uh, and <laughs> um, black dragon whelplings are typically born in murky swamps, fetid bogs, and mires, um, uh, right? They they care the, the territory is typically carved out for like uh, the by the by the mother who laid the egg there and clears out all the big threats, right? So when the baby hatches, it doesn't have much to worry about. Uh, as far as major threats, um, which is great. They are feisty. They are fierce. Um, they're driven by a desire to explore its surroundings, a lot like our furs in Fur Haven, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, despite their diminutive size, the black dragon whelplings possess a bit of a, you know, streak of chaos, right? Maybe not necessarily too cruel. Because if you know, black dragons are often considered uh, cruel, but you have, that's a learned trait, right? They, they learn that through, you know, their, uh, from their parents and can and stuff. But, um, but they do delight in, you know, chasing and tormenting smaller critters, uh, such as frogs and insects, and are quick to lash out at any type of creature with hissing and tail wagging that might uh, threaten them at all. But over time, they do become more cunning and manipulative of others. Um, they like to c- create um, little followers of their own, even at their young age. But despite their fearsome reputation, um, black dragon whelplings are not without their own weaknesses. Usually, just like any other dragon, they're easily distracted by shiny objects and things of value. Um, they often will uh, abandon their prayer prey if something more interesting catches their eye, which is not a great trait because that means that whatever they slayed, that should have been their food, now it just becomes wasted. Um, they are uh, also vulnerable to certain types of um, dangers, like psionic attacks, because they they haven't developed that kind of strong mental faculty yet, no. um, and that means things like spells like charm and confusion are particularly susceptible to these little things while they are adorable they are to be um tread upon with caution um so if you're going to run the black dragon whelpling in any of your fantasy rpgs there's a couple core features that um are really needed now um we're gonna keep the actual mechanics system agnostic so we're not going to give you all the mechanical details, but we'll tell you what they're supposed to do, right? Uh-huh. First of all, they should have flight, though it should be slower than, um, no, no faster than normal walk speed for other creatures, right? Um, they should have immunity to like acid or disease, uh, poisons and stuff like that um, to kind of fit that little dark feely feel. Um, but what really separates them is their breath. While as adults becomes like an acid breath, it's not actually got that acidic uh, effect yet. So instead, it becomes more like an ink breath where instead of trying to mm. melt your face, um, they spray out the black ichor and blind their enemies for a short time. Kind of like a, very much like an octopus, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, and they can also cause it to um, take on more of a uh, a misty spray that fills the area with like a dark toxic, almost like a, a heavy smog. So these t- two core features outside of its teeth, claws, and tails become very interesting mechanics to engage the, the players with. What do you guys think?
2: I do find it interesting that you have built a dragon that slots into an age range that you don't normally deal with. Because right. I do feel like there have been some times where it's an adventure like, okay, I am going to have a dragon but none of the dragon's step blocks quite fits mm-hmm. like there's one like okay for this one for these levels of characters i have a wormling is way too weak mm-hmm. a young dragon the next step up is way too powerful and so let's take like the wormling make it one size bigger add a few plus two to everything yep. and give out hit points and next thing you know you have a, a teenage black dragon
1: now this one's meant to be like a newborn so you're talking like a half cr too so right um players characters can be walking through a mire and run into one of these and it doesn't have to be a battle right maybe it's just playing tricks on them maybe they start like pixies start taking stuff that's shiny right or threatening the adventures can you imagine a group of like adventurers being threatened (laughs) by a little dragon like you're gonna get out of my swamp
2: Yep. (laughs) But one anyway, once I did run, I remember briefly th- at the very end, it's like,
1: I could have the
2: fight be prolonged, but the players are clearly going to win. So you have to fly away and have a yell, I'm telling my mom <laughs> and fly away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go get my mommy. Get yeah. Of course, the players are like, does he his mom? Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it comes in a similar vein. You have this The wing. Like, say so you go, wait a second. Where did this come from? Where's his parents?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, actually, give me a history check. Uh, you actually recall hear- overhearing, kind of in passing, in the tavern, a discussion about, you know, uh, a, a large uh, um, black dragon hunting a kingdom over. Maybe that's clo- just close enough that if he makes the call, she'll come running. What do you think, Alex? This dragon w- w- w-
0: whelpling? Dragon whelpling. Yep sounds like the ultimate challenge to make it an adoptable pet to a player absolutely like I love it. a player would literally just be like no no we don't do that we don't do that no no stop no 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 stop like he literally like hmm. vomits onto like the noble that they're talking to to get their reward and they're like oh sorry he's a baby he he just irps sometimes like could you imagine but it was but it was Ooh. actually
1: an attack but it's so like feeble <laughs> it irped, it
0: irped. i'm so sorry i'm
1: like like a house up. cat versus a puma <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: but very i guess i see this as very much as a uh, a challenge but i like it because dragons the okay so anytime anyone wants to ever adopt like something that's super sentient or like you know that it would be of like crazy for them to be able to actually have I just make their age their age length just expansive and then they just stay tiny and a little child forever and that's what I would do I like with that. this if my players adopted this I would I would let them do it I'd let them do it and I would just have and I would just have it stay a whelpling the entire campaign
1: yep. and you can make it so that its powers and stuff are are not super impactful unless you treat it more like a magic item right Right, where you can use it so many do. times in combat per day, right? Um, I really like this. Uh, I like the idea of it. You, see, I would play if I if I was a player and I, I if I was like a bard or an entertainer, having this thing soil people's stuff as a gag would be hilarious. Yes, like and but but here's here's where we get it. He also has press digitation, so he has a cl- clothing cleaning service, and he work he trains the dragon. <laughs> to go and soil stuff, and that oh, you know what? I can get that out for you. I've got a secret, uh, um, secret recipe that'll take care of it. And so that's their their daily income mm-hmm. instead of a normal like source of income. They just it goes out and soils the stuff, clothes of people, and then they use prestidigitation to to take it out.
0: I think that's absolutely wonderful. I think that this would be a great thing for a paladin and a rogue to fight over. Um, yeah. I I just I really truly believe that this is this is this is not a monster to me. This is a tool to cause conflict within the party and create drama.
1: And it's funny you mentioned that because inside of the uh, monster uh, stat block that I made for our patrons, it actually talks about different ways to use it, and one of them is very much inter-party conflict, intra-party conflict, uh, because it's still known. I mean, black dragons are known to be evil
2: very evil um mm-hmm.
1: and so i can see the palette and be like no 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 no! we got to get rid of it we got to do something with it and the bard's like but it's so cute yet the whole
2: nature versus nurture discussion can come in too yes
1: and i remember we in some games where
2: we came across a baby baby slot not sure how that works but okay and when the place like i wish oh, my top is so cute i'm like it's a slot <laughs> yeah it's going
1: to impregnate your arm which will then Th- then take over your body. <laughs> and turn you into a s- slot. Yep. Yeah, that seems like a pretty easy decision. You would think! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, anyways. Um, the uh, Black Dragon Whelpling is designed to be a, a cute and, 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 and different challenge for the players. Not just a battle, but a great way to introduce dragons almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Which I think is great. That'll do it for our monster. If you enjoyed the show and you want to support us, visit us at CritAcademy.com. We have a plethora of 5e content, as well as our best-selling capes and crooks, 5e Superhero RPG. Keep an eye out soon that we are hoping to have a physical copy. So if that sounds like that tickles your dice, well, we're happy to do that. Follow us on social media. Leave us a review. Share all our episodes with on your own with your friends and stuff uh, across your YouTube or all that stuff. Let everyone know. Make a TikTok about it. please visit our patreon page where now you can get seven days of free trial absolutely full of all kinds of fat loot for you get that tasty uh crit academy experience i am your host justin i'm your co-host ian
0: and i'm your co-host alex thank you very much for listening
1: have fun on your adventures and
0: don't be a dick